the Leading Language and Literature podcast with me, Chris Jordan. In this episode, I'm speaking with Rosie Georgiou. Rosie is an English teacher, Key Stage 5 lead and PhD student living in London. She first came to my attention during the most recent Teach Meet English Icons event, in which she discussed the process and benefits of creative writing in English. During our conversation, we discussed the best text Rosie's ever read, taught or been taught, the ways in which creative writing can be metacognitive, the relationship between creative writing and pastoral matters, the advantages of journaling and free writing and how they play a part in Rosie's practice, how she has led students to legitimately reflect on the creative process and why, And lastly, how often does Rosie's department explore creative writing in a year level or across Key Stage 3? It was a real pleasure to speak to Rosie at length about the creative process, as well as how that translates into teaching practice, feedback and assessment. For those of you who haven't seen it, I'd really recommend her presentation for Teach Meets 2. If you want to be kept up to date on when educational chat like this happens, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast and or follow me on Twitter at ChrisJordanHK. Okay, uh, Rosie, nice, easy question to get you started. What is the best text um, that you've ever read, you've uh, or been taught or uh, taught yourself at school? Um, I find this question really hard, but um, yeah, I mean, best text I've ever taught, I think is probably the easiest one for me to answer because it was like, it was a pivotal moment for me in teaching. So it's teaching a level for the first time and I'd been asked to teach regeneration and I hadn't read it before and I was really terrified of it because it was a war text and I'd kind of convinced myself it was going to be really boring um uh, I look back and I'm sort of embarrassed embarrassed that I was so kind of resistant to it but it's actually become my favorite thing to teach um I think because by the time I'd read it, I had realized it was really a text that was much more about relationships, you know, between the men. And there were such beautiful descriptions and passages and it explores violence and trauma and the effects of war, you know, the way that humans behave in like these really challenging circumstances. Um, and I mean, related but unrelated, I went to see a play the other week called Colloquium by Catherine Stockton. It's really small. It's She's a local playwright and it was the first run of the play. And it's all about the Oxbridge admissions process. And they ask the question, why do you want to study English literature? And all of the, like the candidates for interview without fail come in and say, oh, it's because I want to study the human condition. <laughs> and the professors are bored to tears by that answer. Um, and then by the end of the play, the oldest professor who's about to retire says to one of the candidates, ask me why I want to study literature. So she asks him and he says, because I want to study the human condition. And I mean, we were all sat there laughing, but, but he gets really angry. You know, he says, I've earned it. I'm allowed to say that I want to study the human condition. I've been doing this for 20, 30 years. It's okay for me to say that. 
you're too young to say that. But <clears throat> ultimately, yeah, in my kind of roundabout cliched answer, I guess that's what I'm saying is I feel that regeneration really is a study of the human condition, particularly when the psyche is fractured and people are hurt. Um, so that's why it's my favorite thing to teach. And I just find that the students respond really, really well to it. You know, when you teach it alongside the yellow wallpaper, a mm. bit of Freudian psychoanalysis, all of that stuff, it just comes to life. So that's my favorite thing to teach. Mm. If, if I mean, just to let people kind of behind the curtain a little bit here for Wi-Fi purposes, we aren't, we don't have the videos on um, for this chat and I, but just, I am nodding along and kind of like, I completely agree with you there. I oh. haven't. I obviously, it's, I'm kind of, a, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I'm nodding and smiling and just, it's kind of, you're not <laughs> on any of that. But yeah, that, yeah, it's, it is a wonderful book, obviously. And um, obviously I've never, I haven't heard of that um, particular kind of production that you described, but that is quite an interesting, I was just thinking to myself then, what would I answer if someone said that? I think, uh, I think a medicine student asked that of me on my in freshers week oh yeah and i have no idea what i said now and i'm not sure what i would even say you don't remember what you said <laughs> no yeah <laughs> yeah 17 <laughs> odd years hence i can't remember i don't even yeah i have no idea what i would say now yeah but that, that human condition thing is the is the get out of jail free car but it's in that that's an interesting take on it, it yeah well, she also said something else really interesting. Well, I mean, I say she as if she was in the play. She wasn't. She's obviously she's written the play. She there's an um there's another comment. Um, one of the professors says to her, this particular character in her interview, um, I want you to say something original. I'm looking for you to be one of, you know, the best, most cutting-edge thinkers. That's the purpose of this interview process. Mm. Um, and she says, Oh, well, I've got an observation which, by the way, is untrue because she'd just been speaking to another candidate who made this observation, and now she's gone into her interview and she's repeating it as if it's her own. And um, the observation is good teachers are bad people and bad people are good teachers. And she sort of mm -hmm. poses that to the professors and says, how far do you agree? And I sort of sat there, I was chuckling, and I think there are a few teachers in the audience you know, you're like, well, this is a really uncomfortable moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm all right at this, but I'd yeah. hate to think of myself as a bad person. <laughs> yeah, very, very kind of awkward moment of holding up the mirror to the audience. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that broadly speaking. Yeah, it was horrible. But I think you can't, you look around and there are quite a lot of art students and some of them were nodding. <laughs> um, so it was, it was kind of this... I was about to say it was a play of universal truths, but I think I'd like to think with the exception of that one comment, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. That's good. I'll lock that up. I mean, yeah, there's not much. <coughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll go a bit more kind of, hopefully it'll be like relatively successful and stuff. Um, but the, um, the reason I kind of like got you on for a chat today was following on from, your kind of appearance on that teach me icons English um, mm. um, um, kind of CPD thing a couple of months ago in March or whenever it was. And um, yeah. first of all, it was fantastic presentation. And uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, obviously I would urge them to do so, but um, it, it was kind of centered around creative writing and the ways in which 
uh, creative writing is beneficial. And I know that you're, well, you, you did, or you still are kind of, you've got like a PhD involved with like creative writing and stuff. So um, the first question I'd like to know is it's in relation to something you talked about um, a little bit in the, in the presentation is, well, I suppose, first of all, what is, what do you mean by creative writing? I've got quite a clear idea of what I think you mean it is, but um, what, what do you mean by it? And then also um, you kind of said that creative writing can be or should be metacognitive um what did you mean by that exactly how did how do students benefit um from from creative writing in english okay so <clears throat> i would say until i started to study creative writing um as a true discipline i thought of creative writing as these quiet moments where i would sit on my own for 10, 15 minutes, an hour, two hours, however long it might be, and write. And that that process of creating something from nothing or what I thought was nothing, which probably turns out it isn't nothing, but that's a conversation for another time maybe. Um, I thought that was creative writing. But since studying it and doing my MA and now my PhD, I actually think of creative writing as a much bigger process um, and I think what I mean by that is that the writing itself is a part of a far bigger creative process. I think it was in 2008, there was a paper published. I'm really sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but I know that it had Bennett, Clark, Motion, Nadu, sorry, really long list of names. But essentially, um, they argue that creative writing is about the production of something creative, but also and I think this is the bit that's really important, is the reflection on process. Because as a secondary school English teacher, I teach creative writing through the Gothic, through quirky images, you know, that typical AQA GCSE, paper one, question five, where you pull an image out, not exactly cold, because it's in line with the extracts, but it's a pretty cold image <laughs> in the sense that often the students haven't haven't really been thinking about the themes in that image mm. for a sustained period of time. And then we say, you've got 45 minutes to write. Um, and I would say that until recently, I have taught creative writing that way. I've kind of provided this visual stimulus and I've said, I want you to be inspired by this image. Go forth and write. Um <clears throat> And then I started to think about actually myself as a writer and the other writers that I know, the people that are paid to write um, and who are publishing whole novels and things like that. And none of them work in this way. And I don't work in that way either. So it really forced me to think about what the process truly is and what my creative practice truly is and part of my creative practice is putting the kettle on and making myself a herbal tea um I mean you can't do that in the classroom but you can have conversations <laughs> with students about what are the things that make you feel comfortable that will generate creative thinking which will lead to creative writing and then at the end of that being aware of those processes as a way of becoming more efficient, kind of uh, more fluid, more adaptable, and being able to produce longer pieces of writing more quickly, I think, is what I'm 
trying to say, if what I'm saying makes sense. Yeah, it does 100%. I suppose there's there's a conflict there between the the advice and the practicality of it, which you kind of touched on there with the idea of like making a cup of tea or I suppose the cliche is like my best ideas come to me when I'm in the shower. It's like, you can't ask all the kids to (laughs) whatever, but like, yeah, that, but that would be very reassuring to me as a student. If it was, um, if you know, you could, you could kind of, I suppose you, you, you don't, you could like take a staggered approach to it and say, we're going to try and do this over the next couple of lessons or weeks or whatever, but it might be that you're not going to be inspired until, lesson two or five or 10 or, or whenever, but in terms of the practicality of it, like how, how does that kind of play out in terms of if it's the first lesson of a sequence of lessons about creative mm-hmm. writing, do you, do you just kind of, rather than give them the picture uh, or always give them the picture, is there another approach that you take in order to get them? Yeah. On that path. <clears throat> Yeah, um, I I do. Uh, I think it does. It does depend on the age group of the students. But um, so let's go with GCSE because I think it, you know it's, it's comfortably in the middle and it's an interesting conversation. But what I'll do is I will spend the first lesson talking to them about what creativity is mm. and what it means. Mm. Um, <clears throat> do you know that Billy Collins poem? I think it's called studying a poem where they take the poem, they hold it up to the light and they interrogate it and they tie it to a chair and they kind of talk to the poem and ask it for its meaning. Mm. Um, It's a really good one. And I talk to them about what we do in school and where does that sit with them as creative people and where are they really creative do they make their most creative links in science or in their maths lessons or when they're on the pitch because you know you have to improvise when you're playing football I'm not a footballer um, and I'm terrible terrible sports person but (laughs) I can appreciate that the students I'm teaching make creative decisions all the time and that perhaps my way of seeing creativity is not necessarily the same method that they will use to produce a creative outcome. Mm. Um, So we talk about that. I give them definitions of what it means to be creative. I ask them how far they agree. I also talk to them about the creative process and I kind of give them a glimpse into the future Mm. about the A-level language coursework, which is the original writing component. I say you will produce a sustained piece of creative writing But then with that, you have to produce this critical reflection. And that is what creative writers do. Mm. You know, when you do a a master's in creative writing or a PhD in creative writing, or even undergraduate level, anything that you produce has to be accompanied with your critical reflection. What was the inspiration for this piece? What were you aiming for? What were the conventions you used? And what were the ones that you subverted? And why did you do that? Um, (coughs) So I have those conversations with them and then I introduce them to sort of to free writing and take away all of the scaffolds that they've had so far. And then we talk about how that feels. And a lot of them really, really like it because they feel liberated. You know, I've had students say it was really nice to be able to speak in my own voice and not an academic voice. Um, it's nice to know that you're not going to punish me for 
talking about what's in my head and not something that I'm being assessed on. And it's, I think I had one student say to me, it's the first time I've done something this year in year 10 where I'm not worried about making mistakes Hmm. um, because I can't get it wrong. And I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, Mm. it's a very kind of loose break away from the a structured way of essentially what is looking at an exam question and then you know slowly slowly you build those things back in because ultimately my job as a teacher is to ensure their success so you can only go so far before you are using curriculum time um on something that they're not actually going to be assessed on so I'm really mindful of that but if I like skip ahead to a key stage five lesson for example I would also introduce them to the creative model that my supervisor came up with and then the one that I made, which is the um, multi-modal creative writing toolkit. And what it does is it asks you to think about where do you produce your best work as in the actual physical space? Mm. Is it on the couch? Is it in your bedroom? Uh, And I get them to map out as writers what are the tools that they need both physically and mentally to be successful at this thing? Um, because some of them need peace and quiet. Some of them need music. Some of them need a drink. Others need to just be left totally alone. Some people can write on the bus. I can't imagine doing that. Mm. Um, and I think it's making them aware of the fact that they all have a creative practice and that they can change that practice to be more or less productive God, that's so true, man. That idea of the, um, well, not the idea of, but like just reflecting on the process of where do you do your best work? How do you do your best work and stuff like that? Like I can, I remember thinking sort of 10 years ago or maybe even when I was at uni, I was like, oh yeah, well, I think everyone does their best work when they've had three drinks or something like that. And I just think back now and think nothing. <laughs> I have achieved nothing with alcohol in my system. I just, you know, those things I'd wake up in the morning and just be like, what is this that I've written? It's like awful. But um, the, you know, the idea of like where you are and even I suppose like this would probably come into it as well. Like the amount that you write in a given sitting, like you could, do, do you write like a, a few sentences mm-hmm. at a time? Like how many words and stuff? That's really, that's really fascinating that. Yeah. The idea of like the metacognitive sort of like, how do you think when you're being creative and stuff? You, you sort of touched on it then, the, the 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 free writing thing, but that's something you also mentioned in the presentation, like the advantages of journaling and free writing. Um, yeah. and, you, and you kind of mentioned the idea that it's uh, liberating for kids and, and that kind of thing. Um, other than that, may, maybe from like a more... I don't know, technical level or like the drafting process or something like that. What what other advantages have you kind of noticed from the journaling and the free writing? Um, well, I think there are a couple of things. So one of them is like it's so strongly linked to creative practice. So, for example, most, most writers will do their morning pages or their evening pages pages so you know that kind of lucid state you're in either just before or after sleep so that first 10 minutes of waking up you either have a coffee or some people have a cigarette or a glass of water whatever it's going to be and they sit and they write for 20 minutes to half an hour and they you know it's kind of this it's this habit and they sit in the same spot 
and they just write whatever's in their head. Um, and I think it, you know, I'll, I go through that with students. I'll give them extracts of writers talking about their free writing process and then have conversations with them about, you know, you're in this classroom, comparing the seat you're in right now with the place where you are most comfortable, how can you mediate this process so that you can still generate the best results kind of in Mm. essentially what will become exam conditions? Because when I think about when I do my writing, I curl up on the corner of the couch, I perch my laptop on the arm, I have a cup of tea, and usually the sun is rising, and I'm really comfortable, I'm kind of in in loose stretchy clothing because I'm at home um if you asked me to produce the same results and said to me you have to sit at a, a hard desk with a hard back plastic chair in a room of 29 other people which is kind of kind of silent but there's also the sound of the scratching of pens mm. and I want you to produce something of the same quality I couldn't do it mm. <laughs> you know and I think being honest with them about that is important so it opens up that conversation and I encourage them to go home and do their free writing at home and the other thing is there's no obligation to share what they produce because it's a really deeply personal thing Um, (coughs) and it's not often at least I find myself as an English teacher it's not often that I say to the students I just want you to do it for the pleasure of it you know um often I'll set homeworks where I want to see it and I hold them accountable Mm. and some of them will really really fly with it others will kind of do a cursory um not particularly they're not necessarily as engaged with it as some members of the group Mm. but it's just it's another tool in their toolkit Uh, and if it helps then great and if it doesn't they tried it one the full they will find something else that works for them yeah I don't know if I spoke around that question actually <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all not at all I think again it's it's um the idea of kind of um yeah I, I've never I, I must admit I've never taught it like like this at all but it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. to me in terms of them them going away and because it's I, I do find sometimes when you I've I've obviously done the same thing where you've got to put the picture up and and it's supposed to it's supposed to kind of prompt something in them but it's I think if mm. if 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 I was to turn the tables on them and ask them to show me a particularly provocative picture I wonder whether they'd be able to yeah. kind of generate one which would actually interest me enough for me to like you know generate a piece of I tend to like if I go out and find I'll think oh what's a really kind of pathos inducing photo I'll find some old lady collecting cardboard and uh you know like uh, struggling along on the street or something like that and I'm like Mm -hmm. that you know and I think it's that kind of um Dunning not not Dunning Kruger effect necessarily but just that curse of knowledge that I know that that's a very pathos inducing picture and it's like it's likely to kind of induce like a quite an emotional response, but maybe not for all of them or even most of them. Like they might not even be aware of, you know, that level of, of poverty. They might not even know like what she's doing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think, 
yeah giving them the freedom i mean that the key word there obviously like free writing just to go away and be like this is about you you don't even need to show this particular mm. piece to me i think that's yeah that's that's i can see how that would like appeal to so many students who know they're not necessarily the best writer but they really want to either improve or just get the stuff out and and stuff like that yeah um that's really interesting um Ooh. the the oh, sorry that's all right the uh, again kind of like sticking with the creative writing though you um there's also kind of again it was a bit of a tangential mention but you mentioned the idea of the connection with pastoral matters and based on what you've already said i can already see why this would be the case but um in in your experience like how how does it boost um things like positivity or confidence and things like that in students that you've come across well, I mean, so coming at it from the perspective of, of an English teacher only, in as mm. far as you can be an English teacher only, um, I just find that particularly those students that run with it feel that they have an outlet. You know, I set this task for my A-level students about eight weeks before we broke up for the summer. And I asked them to decorate it as well. Mm. I said, you know, I want you to go away. I want you to find a journal, preferably one that has a paper cover that you can stick things on that feel like the most authentic expression of you. Whatever that might be. It can be leaves, photos, lyrics. If it exists and it feels that something you have a connection with and you want to put it on there, then it meets the criteria to go on there. Mm. Um, and some of them absolutely loved that. And they made these beautiful journals. Um, and I see them writing in them, you know, and they'd be writing in them at break or at the beginning of the lesson without any prompting from me. And they'd be saying, you know, I'm just adding something to my journal entry, ma'am. Um, so that was really lovely. I think there's this sense of ownership. Mm. It gives them a place to reflect and I'm not talking about, you know, critical reflection on their craft, which some of them may well be doing, but more it's a space where in quite a noisy world, they get a bit of peace mm. and in quite a busy world, they have a space to be themselves and, you know, take up the whole page. Um, some of them do choose to share with me the things that they've written. And I really, really love that. You know, I've read some beautiful poems um and kind of responses to stimuli that I've given in class and I've said go away and do with this what you want and they finished it and they come back and show me and it's in their journals and it, I think I take real joy from the fact they are choosing to put it in their journal rather than on a sheet of paper in their folder yeah because it kind of I just feel that that communicates that they're invested in this and um a few of them have said to me, I'm going to continue doing this even when we move on, you know, onto the analytical piece later on in the year. So I think it's really useful in terms of building confidence when it comes to fluency. And more than that, it's just this sense of having a space where your voice can be authentic and you can communicate in a way that you, without having to worry about being too formal or too academic um, and that you're not going to be assessed or judged 
because it's very rare that we have that. And, you know, I mean, they're younger than us and they're on social media all of the time. Even on those social platforms, they are still under scrutiny for their language use. Whether we are as aware of that or not, um, I think very carefully about the captions I put on Instagram and things I write on my blog and stuff, because once it's on there, it doesn't go anywhere, right? Mm. Um, so I think this is a place where you're quite, you're not under scrutiny. It really is quite a personal thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think I, it's useful in that respect. Yeah, I, like that was the first thing <laughs> that like, occurred to me when you were saying it then, that social media thing, because we... Um, like I used to write nonsense. Like I had a diary and stuff at high school and and I, or I'd have books where, you know, you'd start like a little story and you'd never finish it and stuff like that. And that, that must be quite refreshing to, for people who've been born into and grown up with social media being everywhere, kind of a space in between school and social media mm. where you can write down where whatever you want. And so I'm sure like people can do it on the phone, can't they? I'm sure they do in like the notes and stuff. But um to, to have like a dedicated place devoted to just what that one thing that's yeah, it's that, that's it's a really nice idea. Um and then so oh, it, sorry. No, go on, Rosie. Sorry. I was just going to say there's no performance in it. You know, I was mm. kind of thinking about what I said and I was a bit like, what's the point, Rosie? I think the point is you are not performing for anybody. And, and it is easy to feel that a lot of what you do in everyday life includes an element of performance. You know, they're not performing for anyone. And I suppose ultimately that's what I feel really is the power in it. And it's what I like in it about myself as well. Yeah, 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 I would completely agree with that, that, that it's not because everything, yeah, it's, 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 it's without um, artifice, like you're not having to pretend mm. to be something that you're not, or you're not trying to like, um, please other people unless, you know, they obviously kind of feel comfortable enough kind of showing the work to you, but that's a, that's a different kind of, um, um, that's a different kind of motivation, I suppose. The, the there are, there obviously is, as you mentioned, kind of like the, the, the necessity to get them to reflect on the creative process every now and again, either, um, mm. as part of kind of like a more like official kind of, uh, exam criteria or just, you know, it's something that often like you, you do at the end of a unit, whether it's year seven, year, year 11, year 13, whatever. But um, how do you, how do you genuinely, because it's so easy just to go. And I've seen this in like schemes of work and probably definitely been guilty of it myself where I'm like, right now answer these five questions um, to reflect authentically yeah. on the, pro- so how, how do you get them to legitimately reflect on the creative process? Okay, so um, again, I think it it has to depend on the age group of the cohort. But for example, I I do start with that that first lesson, introducing them to the concept of creative practice, because there are, I mean, there are lots of adults that are unaware of what creative practice is. So introducing it to the kids I think is really important and again it comes back to this sense of it's empowering for them because they become aware of what they like to do when they're writing and also what they're going to be aiming for so without kind of telling them that this is a success criteria 
criteria, we speak about what we are aiming for. Um, and let's say it's a Gothic unit. I would want them to be aware of particular conventions when they come to writing their own. And I'd want them to be aiming to either, um, I can't remember the word, conform, mm. to conform to those conventions or to subvert one or two of them and to be able to tell me why, why they're doing that and to kind of make notes on the way. Mm. Um, something that I don't do yet at Key Stage 3, partly because Key Stage 3 is not my, n- not the aspect of the curriculum that I lead on, but something that I'd like to do is ask Key Stage 3 students to write a critical reflection alongside their creative piece. Um, as I was thinking about it, and I was just thinking, if this is something that we do at A-level, why can't they, in you know, as part of their assessment, write a paragraph at the end where they say what the inspiration was, why they made the choices that they made, and how they would either continue the piece or do something differently at a later point, you know? Um I think it's really useful because it's a point at which they can say, I was aiming to create meaning in this way. Mm. And I think I did that here and here, but I might have been a bit off the mark here. Um, And ultimately that kind of lends itself to being better readers. I think, Um, you know, it's that moment where the apprentice becomes the master. Um, And if, at that point where you are the master and you can explain this thing that you're doing, you understand the processes behind it. Hmm. So if you can explain, I made these choices for these reasons, you are also able to think about what would I do differently next time? Hmm. How would I explain this to someone else? Um, so yeah, in short, I introduced them to the, the concept of creative practice to begin with. Then we make lists of things that we're aiming for. And at the end, at key stage five, I already do this, but I would like to bring it lower down the school. Um, ask them to think about, were you successful in that? You know, and it's kind of that evaluative process. Um, so I wonder if there's space for maybe a rethink um, as to how we teach creative writing more generally. Yeah, I think so that it reflects that process later on. That it's interesting. So my my school, we we do have to reflect after every single unit, like creative or not, in every single year level. And I'm <clears throat> I'm relatively new to it. Um, and I, you know, obviously I, I try my best to to make it as meaningful as possible and be like um enthusiastic about the need <clears throat> to reflect and stuff. But what you've just said there, like really makes uh, has made me think I think like in terms of they can only really reflect on things that you've consciously been um explicit about all the way through and obviously as an expert mm. you can be you can be saying okay to get started I might do this but these are the choices that I need to make now having studied the genre as we have we know that these are the conventions but I might choose to blah blah, blah. and sometimes I feel like we get to the end of a unit sometimes and I ask them to reflect and I feel like their reflections are the spot, like they're, they're accurate and they're, 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 they're meaningful. And, but I feel like they're just 
rewriting in their own words whatever the summative feedback was that they got or they've they've picked up things along the way they're not really speaking in the same way as um as as you're describing so that makes a lot of sense to me though that that from from the first lesson we're talking about metacognitively what it means to be in this case obviously a creative writer but if it was a a unit that was more aligned with rhetoric you might be saying like okay so as a rhetorician if that's a word this is what we need to consider and go back to and blah 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 so that that's very informative for me that's something i can i mean yeah think about in the next sort of two or three weeks before um i have to do something similar uh, myself but yeah that's that's really yeah that's really eye-opening actually because we do we do it in every other way don't we when we talk about live modeling of an essay we do it the same way so we're like okay so here's a topic sentence well well but i'm not going to do this i want to do that you know we would model that so why wouldn't we do it on a more um holistic sort of um in a more holistic way i suppose yeah um so you 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 kind of you talked about the fact that you obviously take the lead on key stage five and you've alluded to key stage four and key stage three Mm. now the in the uk like i'm fascinated by this whole concept driven uh, unit thing which is taken over and and or not taken over but it's been mm-hmm. talked about a lot and there's the 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 David Dardal book and the Sam Gibbs book and and um and lots of other teachers have been talking about it since I don't know like seven eight years and sort of talking about it but it, it still seems to me that you would often have at least one unit in a given year that would lend itself ever so slightly mm. more towards creative writing as opposed to you know i think in, in a utopian world they're doing analysis as much as as much as creative writing as much as rhetoric as much as comprehension but um how often in your school like across sort of years 7 through 13 or whatever how often do they get taught a bespoke creative writing unit if at all um and like is it done alongside a text is it done alongside like how does it how does it look in the different key stages okay so uh key stage three I hope I'm remembering this rightly because my timetable is exclusively pretty much year 11 and year 13 oh, okay. sometimes it's 12 so <laughs> if, <I'm, laughs> if I don't get this right I'm really sorry um I think there is at least one unit in each year group mm. um I think it's often taught through something like myths and legends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we have any instances where creative writing is taught through a text, but I could be wrong. Um, what I would like to see mm. is a unit in each year group on creative writing and creative practice. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that could lend itself to a particular thing. It could be, for example, short stories um, and then novel openings in another year or something like that, where they do a sustained study of craft, mm. um, because I think that would encourage students to think about, I think, hang on, let me take a step back. What I'm trying to say is if you write a short story And then you critically reflect on your process and you say, I made these choices at these points because, and I tried to create meaning in these places in this way. Um, You are going to be much more sensitive as a reader Mm. 
to somebody else's creative piece, whatever that might be. You know, you might put the red light in the living room and hope that the rest of the class is going to pick up on the fact that that suggests somebody might be angry or something violent might happen Mm -hmm. um, and then see whether or not it lands. So if you're involved in that process, I think it is much more likely you are going to notice that in others, kind of like that spark of recognition in someone else. Mm. Um, So I would like to see standalone creative writing units. They might fall within a wider concept. You know, I don't know, say if you were doing something on the subject of war or despair, um, you could study the war writers and then produce your own um so it could fall within that quite easily but i really do think there should be space on the curriculum for the explicit teaching of disciplined writing um and that that comes both with huge limitations sometimes you know you might say to them i want you to produce a story in 20 words that can be really hard (laughs) (laughs) but then you have other things like free writing so it really is a complex beast, um, but I would like to see space in each year group really for standalone creative writing because it lends itself so well to being better readers. And I'm convinced that those students that do creative writing are also better analytical writers, you know. Um, there was a study done in Poland in 2015 where they took a bunch of undergraduates and they kind they felt that undergraduate students although they had great ideas couldn't write with particular accuracy fluency and it wasn't pleasurable to read mm. um I don't, do you remember I'm going back like 10 years now AQA used to have on the mark scheme for the creative writing question gives pleasure to the reader yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the kids always yeah the kids yeah. always used to laugh at that right But I would labour the point. I would say your writing needs to give pleasure to the examiner. Mm. And even though it's not on the mark scheme anymore, I still teach that to my Key Stage 4 students. You know, and I I tell them it used to be on the mark scheme. These words that there's no metric for, like flair, sophistication. Mm. Ultimately, what, what the exam board wants you to do is produce something that is enjoyable to read because it's fluent. So this university in Poland essentially felt that the writing the students were producing, although accurate and thoughtful, just didn't give pleasure, right, to to the professors. (laughs) And they kind of ran this trial where they taught creative writing alongside the undergraduate course. Mm. And then they found at the end of the study, it was about 94% of students Uh, felt that the creative writing made them better analytical writers, that they had a wider range of vocabulary, they were more creative in their expression, they were more accurate, you know. Mm. Nothing gives me more joy than when I'm reading um, something on Macbeth or one of the poems and a student makes a really pithy or sort of tongue-in-cheek comment where they take one of the quotes from the text itself and they kind of play around with it and invert it, Mm -hmm. um, insert it into a sentence that they are writing because they've got the confidence to do that. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to have the confidence if it's not something that you haven't practiced. 
you know, I, this is almost on a complete tangent. But when you speak to students at parents' evening, and I'm thinking particularly year 11, an underperforming boy, for example, and parents will say, well, what do we do? How are we going to fix this? I always go back to this analogy, which is, you know, what sport do you play? And sometimes it's football or rugby, whatever it might be. Mm. And I'll ask them, would you ever play in a match without training? And the obvious answer is no. Um, So then I say to them, why on earth would you sit an exam without training? Mm. So it's kind of, yeah, I think I just, I suppose what I'm saying is it needs to be embedded throughout because everything requires practice and we need to give them the opportunities to practice. So I would have standalone units within these wider concepts that build all the way through to the end of essentially what would become year 13 for those students that do the A-level language, whether they produce this long, longer piece of original writing with their critical essay alongside it. I think, yeah, the, the the key difference, though, that you've you've pointed out there, though, is because it's so easy to go through the motions of, um, OK, year six or year seven, we're going to do a unit and OK, it's, it's closely related to sort of creative writing and it's going to be about you know, <laughs> describing somewhere that they've visited or blah, blah, blah. And then year eight, we do this particular concept. But the key difference that you've mentioned here is, is that idea of like, reflecting on the process and stuff like that like something we uh, I started doing with the IGCSE students like a couple of years ago was um you know that theory like the seven narrative that Christopher Booker theory the seven yeah 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 so we talked about that and that's quite a nice debate um uh about like whether it's true or not and etc etc but then it does lead to more kind of like fruitful kind of comment and you can not be like overly harsh with them but the amount of stories that you read and it sort of it goes from you know the fourth stage to the fifth stage and it's just like well you know my mum came home and she said oh don't worry about it uh I I forgive you and it's like that is no just nothing and like it's that, that coming back to what you said before about like oh it gives pleasure and I've always thought it was always just such a mm. unfortunate like wording of it but it's so true <laughs> that like I you you said in that um presentation and I've heard so many teachers say it down the years that the favorite thing to do is creative writing or more specifically like story writing um mm. I've got a no I'm quite light I don't mind reading essays and I don't mind reading speeches and stuff like that but the story thing is definitely more, it comes more naturally to everyone. Um, yeah. And, and it, there's so much more scope for uh, authentic creativity and people. And you can just, the amount of times I've had people like a kid sort of hand stuff in and it's a really good story. And they go, that actually happened to me. I mean, like, that's why it's so yeah. good. Then like, that's why it was, you know, you know, brilliant or whatever. But um, I think that the distinction is, and I think I've noticed this, nowhere near as as clearly or as as well as you've kind of articulated it today but um the idea that when you when you pull stories apart and you talk about okay well if we're a writer um this is what we're going to do initially but ultimately this is the overall structure and this step that we have to take between here and here is is really important because this that and the other 
that that has definitely promoted far more conversations. And I don't think it's, as you were saying before with Key Stage 3, I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility to have those conversations with year seven students. Like they're, they're watching a hell of a lot of, a lot of them are watching a hell of a lot of television, movies and stuff like that. And they're very quick to tell you whether or not they like it or not based on yeah. you know, how tight the narrative is and how much they like the characters. So um yeah hopefully i mean hopefully like you know you get your wish and the the, the key stage three thing um <laughs> you can kind of uh yeah weigh in you on know that. what though i mean we we could do script writing there's mm. nothing to stop us from doing that um you know I mean, at university they're teaching how to write game scripts because that mm. is the way where gaming is sort of gaming is built on on worlds isn't it these imagined worlds and then these somebody has to write all of those captions and somebody's writing the scripts for tv and netflix and the the world is changing and there is definitely um a huge place for our understanding of the literary canon because mm. it that informs your understanding of the modern world absolutely but with one eye on the future, I don't see any reason why students shouldn't be writing their own scripts, um, you know, and thinking about narrative arcs and, and all of that blue sky thinking, because the way that we tell stories has changed. And it's this it it's age old thing. We've told stories for millennia, mm. largely to survive, um, to share morals and things like that. but. Also, because that's how we communicate. We we understand stories. They evoke something in us. They resonate with us. I think they're the most powerful thing in the world. Mm. Anybody in advertising or marketing talks about what's the story here, let's storyboard, um, how they can create stories through Instagram and TikTok and, you know, because that's, that is what resonates with us as people. Um, so I think skilling our students to, to be part of that world, which they inevitably will be with or without the necessary skills, um, we actually are responsible for. Mm. <coughs> mm. I think that's... Um... I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's a lovely place to end it, I have to say. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember who said this, but it's definitely that um um you know stories are kind of like privileged in the um in the minds of human beings we seem to be able to remember them so much more than like other information uh, even when i go yeah. home today i'm sure i'll spin some sort of narrative out of getting caught in the rain or like um you know going to the dentist <laughs> or something so but yeah um all that remains for me to say rosie th thank you so much for giving up um your time today obviously not only today but also when you did the teach me icons thing i think it was fantastic but thank you for kind of extending it out today and um answering a few questions that i had after watching that it was it was fantastic hopefully we can chat again sometime thank you so much it was really lovely to be here i'd love to come back